Hello, and welcome to The Exit, presented by Flippa, the number one platform to buy and sell online businesses. Flippa manages over a billion in deal value annually and combines expert buy and sell side advisory with its market-leading valuation tool, deal room, off-market offering, market insights, and AI-based deal-by-deal matching engine. Now for The Exit. The Exit is a 30-minute podcast featuring awesome entrepreneurs who have been there and they have done it. The Exit talks to operators who have bought and sold businesses of all different sizes. You learn how they did it, why they did it, and get exposure to the world of Exits. It's a world occupied by a small few, but accessible to many. Now, in this episode, I sit down with David Radlow. He's a fantastic entrepreneur who walks me through his multiple successes. And he even talks about how he's gone through and coached so many different people and what Radlow Foods was really doing to focus on a specialty in eggs and domestic international commodities and all that. So it was a really great conversation. We talk about everything from the startup itself and growing into what it became, which was you know hundreds of employees and just massive scale, all the way through to the exit. Now, currently, he is a board advisor and operating partner of a really well-known fund, and he's also the CEO and operating partner at RB Markets Achieve Most. So really cool concept that he goes through and talks about with the specialty in eggs, food distribution on the wholesale side, and specialty food, as well as biotech. So he has a lot of really great experience and just a ton of information, as well as two books. He talks about the principles of cartel, disruption. And he also talks about secret stories of leadership, growth, and innovation. And there's some really, really fascinating concepts in here that he talks about. And I want you guys to definitely stick around through to the end. Also, shout out to him being from Boston. Spent a lot of time in Boston. So it was really cool to connect with him there before we started recording. So without further ado, let's sit down here on the exit and talk to David Radlow. All right. I am here with Dave Radlow, and he is currently board advisor and operating partner of an awesome major fund, as well as the CEO and operating partner at RB Markets Achievement. How's it going, Dave? I'm doing great. It's delighted you have me here, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to unpack your successful exits and really dig in there. But before we do, let's talk about your background. What got you into business and entrepreneurship? It's, you know, it's interesting, you know, and I take a look at everyone's history. I've had a lot of fun uh, in my life. I ran for right out of college, in college, I ran for state representative that didn't work out. I ended up, but that led to working in entrepreneurship for Citicorp um, in, in financial services and their consumer financial services, Express Money that ended up being uh, the precursor to MoneyGram. Uh, $1.2 billion money, Graham. So I was in, involved with, with all that at the very early stages. And then after business school, I jumped in and, and grabbed some shares, both with a biotech company called Ficam. Uh, they did monoclonal antibody test kits. And at the same time, uh, was involved on the, uh, right on the front end with, as partners with Egglands Best. And then that led to cage free, free range organic and all that growth that led it blockbuster growth. 
Got it. Uh, so that was that was a lot of fun, and we've had a lot of you know I've run into I've run into a wall many times. Uh, I was almost bankrupt in a shipping business, and um, you know so I've learned from that. I'm not the at England's best. The first time we went out, it was CR eggs, then it was Heartland's best, and then we finally got out Eggland's best after running into all sorts of trouble. And then um, it ended up that whole category ended up being a multi-billion dollar category. I, I ended up selling fast forward my uh, interest to Land Lakes, a strategic partner. And, and then at the same time, I also sold my interest to Waters Corporation, a Vicam. We were fortunate to get out of uh, the shipping business and not go bankrupt and sold that to Seaboard Marine. Um, in addition to that, you know, since that that time, we were able to you know, do business with Fidel Castro and open up Fidel. And that that was a real exciting time because at the same time, uh, we were able to get some exciting back channel diplomacy with the U.S. government. And, uh, you know, from there, after I sold out of the businesses, uh, I've been a... Um, operating partner and also a coach. And I, I help others with some of the, the trials and tribulations and the good, bad, and the ugly uh, in order so they can uh, both incubate and accelerate with ease. Wow. Very cool. What was it like working with Fidel Castro? I, I Castro was just, you know, he was just extraordinarily uh, engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, he once told me, you know, David, you think you're a great entrepreneur. Let me just tell you, I, I own this island with my brother and my brothers, and um, I run the politics, and they run run the business. And so what do you think? How do we do? You're going to leave on the Upper West Side of New York, and in the Upper West Side of New York where he went to Columbia, because Harvard didn't give him a scholarship, but he ended up getting to Columbia for law, and then at the same time, he ended up uh, traveling back and uh, started a revolution uh, with Jay. So, I mean, it, it, he's just a, he was tremendously uh, interesting person. I did business with him for close to a decade. We'd have discussions six, seven, eight hours at a time. We were able to get some prisoners released that were U.S. citizens held hostage. And that's the real lesson of this is that when you think you have enemies of the world, you start doing business with people and you start selling business with people, it opens up other things. Uh, Bill Bradley once said that, it opens up other things. Um, It gives other opportunities to uh, talk. And I was just in a position to be able to help out and um, help some uh, uh, prisoners get released. Nice, nice. So you... you got to work with a legendary person like that and he shared some cool advice with you what would you say for people that are listening you know with that the first success that you had what were the things that you were tracking was it just revenue was it like the amount of relationships that you had built with legends like that how would you look back at to the types of things that define success well, success is different for, for everybody, how they, they determine for success. And, and really, that goes down to the exit. It's, it's what you want to do when you, when you exit. Uh, you know, for me, 
the uh, we we hit a groove on like the Egglands best part, and we were there, and we were able to ride the wave of healthy, humane, cage free, free range, pasture raised, and just rode the wave on double digit growth, and we were just very humbly be able to have be there with the right products at the right time, and then just stay ahead of the curve and then grow it. And, and the same can be true of of everything else. Same with monoclonal antibody test kits. Uh, no one wanted to test at all for particles and food safety until a law was passed that you mandated testing. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden we had, you know, had a great market. So it, it also really applies to uh, financial markets. It's the same thing. It's what do you see as your value proposition? You know, what is your intellectual property position? What is, how is your people process and strategy? What's your legal game? What's your, what does your early stage test markets look like? What's your exit strategy? What is your board of advisors and directors looking at? How can they help you execute going forward? And do you know the cartel rules? I put that in my second book, which is principle number 12, which is basically the hidden rules of industry working together that will that will work to try to screw you as you grow and you know and how you're going to get around it and if you are one of those market leaders what are you going to do to make sure that you maximize your revenue and diminish and take advantage of your competition's revenue that's come out with something new so these are all things and principles that you really need to learn as you uh, move down the pike. Mm-hmm. Well said. And with the the conversations that started, you know, you mentioned Land Lakes, and I think a lot of people listening to this will probably know that brand. You you sold shares to them as like sort of a uh, an exit situation. Can you talk about how those conversations began? You mentioned it was a strate- strategic partner, but how did those conversations begin and what can you share about, you know, entrepreneurs out there that are listening about how those conversations can be started? Well, first of all, you you work hard over as long as you can to develop relationships with people, okay? And that makes you be able to go to the bank when you need them. So for me, before there ever was an exit, I put an exit guy on on my board. And at the same time, I worked very hard on the industry meetings to make sure that I went ahead and, and spent a lot of time with my competition, a lot of time with people. So when all of a sudden, in this situation, they bought some production facilities near me and they, you know, we had a meeting and said, we're going to buy you out or put you out. Would you like? And I said, write a check. But just understand that, that I wouldn't have gotten the exit that I did unless I had a relationship with them and they could, there was trust to be able to get to that situation. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a strategic partner. It's also the private equity people and the venture people, or for that matter, having someone around that understands and that can navigate that environment. Um, and, and, and that's, that's the important part. The important part is that maybe you can't do it, but to have people on your team that can. Mm, got it. 
good tips. And with valuation, how how do you derive valuation? And what what would you suggest for anybody listening uh, when it comes to that part of the conversation and negotiation? Yeah, I you know I, I have I have exit as one of the chapters in the first book, cartel disruption. And the first thing you have to take a look at is if you were buying the company, what would you pay? Okay, so you have to start from there. The second really question is, what do you want out of it yourself? Do you want to stay in? You want to go out? You want to cut down? What do you want out of this exit? And are you, you got partners, you have to get taken out. Are you in the middle of a lawsuit? I mean, what is it that's driving you that you want to have an exit? Okay. Then you start going on what can it be evaluated upon? Could it be based on contribution margin? Could it be based on EBITDA? Could it be based upon on sales, right? And then you don't know that. That's why you you bring in other people because selling businesses is a whole business upon itself. And every deal that I was involved with, I'd have accountants or investment bankers depending on that situation, or an expert. You want to have someone that you can go to that can work with you, that can say, okay, where are we? Where do we want to go? How do we want to do this? Because don't forget, you're running your company and you're trying to maximize revenue with people processing strategy. You're trying to grow and that you don't have all the experience, should I say, on being able to navigate the waters of exit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bringing somebody into your corner that knows how it's done, I think is a great tip uh, for, for people out there. And one thing that I think is really important that a lot of questions come up about is around timing. And you mentioned a couple different things there with like, you know, why is this person trying to sell? Are they in the midst of a lawsuit or something like that? But what could you share for people out there about the right time to exit a business and what, what makes that uh, the case? Um, you know, there's some companies that are set up and they're, they're family intergenerational companies that have 50 to 100 year plans. Okay. So what's your plan? You know, what do you plan to do? Usually if you've got investors in, they're going to want to turn their money at least on the PE side, somewhere between three to seven years. And if they're going to want to build on the angel side, they want to turn it, you know, seven to 10 years. So you have to be cognizant of your partners to be able to say, okay, I'm going to stay in. Let's do a recap. Let's get you guys out at fair value. You always got to be saying and thinking what is fair to my partners. That way you stay out of trouble. Mm, got it. This podcast is brought to you by Flippa.com, the leading global platform to buy and sell online businesses. Do you need evaluation for your business? Have you asked yourself, who would buy my business? Flippa has a leading valuation tool. It's free to use and based on thousands of historical sales. To get evaluation or to schedule a call with an advisor, head to Flippa.com slash free valuation. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I think it is often overlooked with uh, with the partners and things like that. I've heard and seen um, just 
even with team members, like what happens after the case. And let's talk a little bit about that with your exits. Were, you know, was the majority like an earnout situation where you had to stay around? Did team members, you know, all exit immediately when transactions happened, like with Land of Lakes and other ones? Uh, could you walk us through like the deal structure in terms of, of what that would look like? Yeah, I mean, on, on the biotech side, they wanted the whole team and it stayed and, and everyone stayed. I just I, I just happened on that side to be a partner and I was I ran all the finance. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I sold it, I was out, you know, once mm-hmm. I, I let it and I let it go. Then all the whole operational team stayed, which is great, um, you know, on the land of lakes and in the egg businesses, they for the most part, most of them stayed. Okay. But I was very direct with them. I said, you've been with me for five to seven years and they're giving you an opportunity to stay. By all means, re-examine yourself, what you're doing in your life, take a look at it and go from there. Now, in certain situations, you get key employees. They're going to want to sign a, uh, an employee agreement with to keep them, you know, incentivized to keep them going. And in that situation, it was it was done. So it's it's all based upon uh, the situation that you find yourself in. Mm. Yeah, and I've I've come to learn that a lot of it is around chapter of life. Like a lot of people are at different stages of their life and need different things. And like you said, the the evaluation of your your situation is really key when it comes to timing. Now let's shift to prepared, how to be prepared and whatever tips you can share on from day one, you know, you mentioned have a strategy on the organizational and preparedness side of things. What tips can you give people that are listening? Uh, You know, you want to do it from your, your planning out. Uh, You know, people have said, I'm absolutely nuts saying this. What I say from day one, begin with the end in mind, Talk about your exit. It doesn't matter if you're starting up, just so you have that general discussion and you understand it, right? And then you can refine it and retune it on a periodic basis. So exit becomes part of your strategic plan. Mm-hmm. And that could also mean as you get, you get closer, you're going to have, maybe you're going to have a board, you're going to have an exit committee that's going to review opportunities, uh, maybe you're going to bring people together to bring an investment banker, but you should always be planning to say, where can we go with this? You know, who do we need to talk to? Who do we need to keep, you know, warm, so to speak? You know, do we need to be talking with, um, a certain parties, strategic parties, or for that matter, do we need to, to bring other people on the team to help us navigate this. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an ongoing situation. It should not be a situation that's set in stone. Got it. And with negotiations, what types of uh, you know negotiations did you go through, and what types of uh, you know tips can you give around negotiating when it comes to you know we mentioned valuation, but with negotiating with a buyer, soliciting other buyers, how, how did negotiations work with for you? Just remember one thing. There's only one good day, and that's closing day plus 30 days on rescission, okay? So you're going through all this, and the goal is that you're going to sell it, recapitalize, get to the next 
situation and the buyer's not going to rescind on you. Okay. That is the number one thing. Understand that it's going to be a roller coaster. You can understand emotionally it's going to be a roller coaster. Then you can start planning out some of the tactical situations. Do we have a confidentiality in place before we talk numbers? Have we given them all the financial information that they need? Is it prepared? Is it organized? Or is it an absolute mess? If it is an absolute mess, then we need to make sure that you bring in the right accountants so and the right people so they can prepare it. So it's a deck and it's going into a uh, it's going into a, a vault or a data room because many times people are not ready with their information and that will delay things immeasurably if you don't have all your data set up that you need. Well, what do you need? Well, you know, I mean, there's going to be a checklist of data, but it basically you take a look at your financials, your cash flow, your key employees, and then your, you know, your customers and also maybe your asset plan um, and, and other uh, plans that you have, key things that you need in order to operate. And it also shows that you have your, your house in order and that you're organized, proactive, and you're a strong management. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to team, you know how, how big were these teams during the, the multiple exits that you've been part of? Like when it came to the amount of people that you'd scaled up to, what did that look like? It's funny. I just talked to you know Joe Meyer of you know Exec Thread, and he's sold businesses to AOL and what have you. And he says, you know, David, I've sold businesses in the billions, and you know, we always did it with between ten and twenty people. You know, I'd shake my head. You know, I mean, when you were talking on on teams and what have you, I'd have one situation, 175, 200 employees, and 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 I'll be very straight in my level. Everyone has their level of comfort. Other other friends of mine had a thousand employees or what have you. And then I had another company who was 35 to 50 employees. But my level of comfort personally was when your business got to be bigger than a manageable wedding, which is about 135 to 150 people when you can see everybody and shake your hands and talk to everybody and have a good conversation. Ever business size got beyond that. For me, I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I couldn't communicate and, and have that familiarity that I, that I really loved. Mm-hmm. That's a personal preference. It's not for everybody. Some people uh, like to scale and they're 500, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000, 20,000. They don't care. So it's all based upon your level of comfort when it goes into what you feel comfortable in operating. Mm-hmm. And definitely the the type of business as well. I mean, now with with tech and AI and all of these types of tools that are coming out, you know, I've I've heard of one or two person teams doing eight figures, you know, nowadays. So it's it's a really remarkable time for uh, like team sizes. I think so. I'm I'm always really curious about that with people's comfort level and also like what's needed for certain businesses, you know, to achieve a, a certain scale that goes for an exit. Yeah, it's all Dave. You got an asset based uh, type operation. You can't do everything with bots. You yeah. just can't. 
I was explaining that. And I said, you just can't bring stuff on your food table with just, you know, two people. You just can't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you actually have to have, if everything was computerized and everything was done by bots, you still need people to be there to manage it. So if things screw up, you're able to, you know, work it. Mm -hmm. And, And that would be, you know, it's 24, 7, 365 day operations. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it all depends where you are in the spectrum. You know, it's, you're, you're totally right. You know, on the tech side, absolutely. You know, two person team, 10 person team, you can do that all day and you can have billions of dollars in, in revenue. I've, I've seen the scaling and I, I just, it's just really impressive. But you start getting into asset based, companies that have birds and chickens and eggs and, and food and, and supermarket employees and, and things like that, then you're, it's just, it's just a different type of business model. Definitely. Definitely. So I think something that, you know, before we get to the finale question, how, how long did it take to go through your exit? And on average, we could say with like the Land of Lake ones and and some of these other ones. The Land of Lake ones uh, took over about a year. It took about a year. It was a lot of uh, you know stuff going back and forth. And you know, usual biotech one uh, took about I think about a half year, nine months. The shipping one, we got rid of it in three months. So I mean, it sometimes it goes very very fast. I was involved in a deal. Uh, on a private equity deal when they signed the LOI and jumped in on after Thanksgiving and they closed before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it is sometimes stuff moves extraordinarily quickly and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, for sure. So knowing what you know now, what would you tell Dave 10 years ago? Uh, I, I think I think if I, I looked at myself 10 years ago and I'd say, hey, listen, I, I wish I had my books where I went through all the, the chapters and principles and all that. But more than that, it's, it, it's I did not realize and I was ignorant to the levels on venture capital and private equity so many different specialties within that we don't do cash flow positive operations. We do late stage. We do early stage. We only do tech. We only do biotech. We only do ag biotech. We only do, um, we only do medical devices. We only do, um, other, other things. And so, I had no idea. I really didn't. I, I just believed there was strategic partners. And there were money, and that's how that's how how ignorant I was at the time. I didn't realize of uh, that everybody had a specialization and sophistication when it came to the the exit game. Mm. Got it. Well said. Well, those are all the questions I have for you. What are you working on now, and where can people learn more? Oh, thank you very much. I mean, I'm delighted that we have this book, Principles of Cartel Disruption and and Secret Stories Leadership Growth. And that was the precursor of my Forbes podcast, uh, Sustainable Leadership and Disruptive Growth. We've interviewed a lot of 
great people that have hit some extraordinary different things. And it's on davidradlow.com and also on the podcast section and also Forbes Books Radio uh, and Apple as well. But um, more than that, I, I really enjoy working with people being able to go through incubation, acceleration, and exit. I do this all the time. And I love doing it. I enjoy doing it with entrepreneurs. I enjoy giving back to, to Tufts, my alma mater, uh, being able to do this. And then, it, and also, I really uh, I enjoy it with uh, both just the private coaching practice and then uh, as an operating partner. So it's, uh, it's something I love doing. And it's, it's something that you can really help people get to where they need to, to be. So, and, and I love working with the founders from like the founders uh, group that they're wonderful people and, and they're working on some extraordinary, exciting things. And, uh, and they're just learning the different rungs of business incubation, acceleration, and exit. Awesome. Well, wherever you guys are listening on iTunes or Spotify, the links that Dave mentioned will be in these show notes. But thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story, Dave. Thank you very much, Steve. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for the, uh, thank you very much for the invitation. Delighted to be here. <laughs>